talked about last week, and so I told you we'd talk about them again tonight, and uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer, we'll get started on this. So let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight thanking you again for all you do for us, and thank you for each one that's come out tonight. We're thankful for people that uh, on Wednesday nights that they spend their time coming and coming to your house and studying your word, and Father, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for a church that loves one another and fellowships together, and may that always be the case. And we just pray you would continue to keep the devil out. And he doesn't like what's going on. He doesn't like seeing people saved and baptized and lives being changed. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to put a hedge of protection around us and watch over us. We thank you for all you do for us. We ask you a bit the ones that can't be here, the ones that are sick or whatever might be wrong with them. We just pray that you'd help them get better. Help us tonight as we study your word. May you be uplifted this evening and glorified. May we be edified, be built up to be better servants for you. Thank you for all you do for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We've been studying Bible numbers, and this will be lesson number two. And last time, I think we got through... Number six, is that right? Okay. And Bible numbers, Bible numbers have a great significance in Scripture. And when we talk about Bible numbers, sometimes numbers just stand out and people can just pretty well agree they mean something. And there's several of those numbers in the Bible. There's some numbers that different people may have a different idea about. Maybe they mean something, maybe they don't, you don't. But this is one of those kind of subjects that it's not all just straight doctrine. Some of it's uh, speculation. But anyway, we still want to go and try to figure out the best we can with the Bible. And it's pretty interesting. And in Bible teaching a lot, you'll hear me reference Bible numbers because there's so much to it. And I'll just give you a little rundown of what we had last time without going through them. But Bible numbers do have a significance, just like I told you last time. Colors have a significance. Uh, red stands for blood. Uh, white stands for victory or good, just like um, um, just like cowboys and that kind of thing. The, the the ones with the white was always represented good, and the ones dressed in black represented bad. And uh, so, black is not a good color in the Bible, or as far as uh, black, uh, most people have that in standing for sin. And now, remember again, like I told you last time, people get real funny about something like this. We're not talking about race. That has nothing to do with it. That's not what we mean. Uh, I'm not white and black people they call black really aren't black. They're brown. So that has nothing to do with it. We're talking about the color in general is what we're talking about. There's no difference as far as God is concerned between whatever color anybody is. Uh, God doesn't look at you and see a color. He sees a soul is what he sees, and that's what we're supposed to do. But what I'm talking about in general, you take the, the word black, black ball, that's bad. The black market, those are things that people are selling illegally. The black sheep of the family, he's no good. And uh, get behind the, the uh, eight ball, it's black. The, you know, that's no good. And just on and on and on, there's no end to it. And so you see that colors have a significance to it. You've seen the, the um, wordless gospel before the books, and they were just colors, and black always stood for sin, and red stood for the blood, and yellow stood for... Is that heaven? Yeah, and all that. So anyway, they're good. That's a good little book to use in uh, uh, kids' classes and things like that. But numbers stand for something. Now, number one, we said stood for unity. Number two was division. Number, number three is divinity. It kind of stands for the things of God. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. See, all through there, and we gave you a whole bunch of stuff on it, so I won't give it to you all tonight. Number four is going to stand for the earth or world. Number five stands for death. And I gave you a whole bunch on that. Number six stands for man. Stands for man. And pretty much that's well received, that, that one there. All right. Now, number seven. Seven's going to be different. Seven's going to stand for perfection or completion. For perfection or completion. Seven's plainly the number of completion or perfection. And this is apparent by the beginning and ending of the Bible. Do you know how your Bible begins? It begins with seven days of creation. And on the seventh day, it was completed. Seven days is how the Bible begins of creation. The first mention is in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis 2, 2. And I told you last time, many times the first mention of a word is how it's used throughout the scripture. And it's really so a lot of times. And that's kind of a law of first mention in hermeneutics. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. So we see seven two different times speaking of the seventh day. Now, so the Bible begins with seven, seven days of creation, and it ends in the book of Revelation, look at this, with seven churches, seven candlesticks, seven stars, seven spirits before the throne, seven years of tribulation, a seven-sealed book, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. So we see it begins with seven, ends with seven. Revelation is full of sevens. Joshua is another good book. It's got a whole bunch of sevens. I went seven times around the wall and different things like that. You'll read a whole bunch of sevens there. The Bible is a book of perfection. And the Bible says it's been purified seven times. Seven times in Psalms 12, 6 and 7. It's a pure book, purified. Perfection is what it means. Not only that. We find that Noah went into the ark in Genesis chapter 7. And he took every clean beast by sevens. And so that was really good. God completed that time. And, and uh, there were seven days of grace when Noah entered the ark. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 4. Once he went in, the flood didn't start until seven days. And the ark rested in the seventh month. On the 17th day after it was over, we read where Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And guess what about Enoch? What's special about him? He never died. That's a pretty good place to be, isn't it? That'd be a good picture of the rapture. If the rapture took place, you'd, you wouldn't die if you're saved. I like the thought of that. So Enoch, he was the seventh from Adam. Um... At the taking of Jericho, I mentioned that. There were seven priests with seven trumpets, and they marched at the head of the people seven times around the city of Jericho in Joshua's day. Naaman, over in 2 Kings, he washed himself seven times in the Jordan River to become clean. There were seven feasts of the Lord, and some of them happened to last seven days. How many deacons were there originally? Seven. 
Seven deacons were chosen in Acts chapter number 6. Stephen was one of those guys. Philip was one of them. And a whole bunch of others. Uh, the name Jehovah is mentioned seven times in Scripture. If you get reading your Bible, there's seven baptisms throughout Scripture. They're not all in effect today, but in the Bible, there's seven different ones. Spiritual baptism, water baptism, fire baptism, Israel's baptism, just on and on. I've given you those several times. Seven mysteries are mentioned in the New Testament. There are seven resurrections. You say, what in the world? Seven of them. Well, Christ came up. He was the first part. And then there were other parts in it. Well, you know when Christ came up, the Bible tells you that many saints, there were several saints there in Jerusalem that came up out of the grave and walked around in the city. So now you got to admit, that's wild right there. But that's what it says happened. That's a resurrection took place. Their bodies came out of the grave, the Bible says. Um, the believer, when, when you get saved, you're resurrected spiritually. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, the Bible says. At the rapture, there'll be a great resurrection. That's when all the graves are going to open and people's going to come up, the Bible talks about. Israel's going to be resurrected and it talks about it, the prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of dry bones and getting brought back and that's going to be something. Uh, it appears the tribulation saints there in Revelation 11 will uh, be resurrected. And then finally, the unsaved dead will be resurrected in Revelation chapter number 20. There's seven judgments in the Bible. Jesus spake seven times from the cross. Only seven times did he speak while he was on the cross. I've preached on those before, on those seven things he's, they talked about. So seven's a number of perfection. That's a neat number. Seven's almost always a good number. It's almost, people call it a lucky number. There's no, really no such thing as luck. But seven's almost always got a good connotation to it. All right, how about number eight? Eight, we're going to go with new beginnings. New beginnings. How about this? There were eight people in the ark. Noah, Mrs. Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their three wives. That's eight. Eight people. You say, what, what was that about? Those were the only eight people that survived the flood. A new beginning began at that point. Everybody came from them. You came from somewhere along that line. And so people, I've heard them say, well, Adam's our grandfather. If you go back far enough, we can get closer than that. You can go back to Noah, All of everybody in here. Everybody in the room can go back to Noah, so we're closer than that. Some of you are a lot closer than that. I mean, probably most of us. We do live in Arkansas. <laughs> That's how you know when you, you live in Arkansas when you go to a family reunion to meet girls. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. You know you're in Arkansas and your family tree's a straight line. <laughs> no branches. All right. Uh, Eight days were accomplished when a child was born. It was circumcised, if it was a boy, on the eighth day, which was a picture of a new creature, a picture of salvation. It wasn't salvation, but it's a picture of it. Because in the New Testament, the Bible talks about spiritual circumcision being that of salvation, being saved. Not only that, uh, God made eight covenants with Abraham. We read that David was the eighth son of Jesse. 
He had seven older brothers. And David introduced a new order or beginning in Israel. And guess what? It appears that the earth is going to be here 7,000 years and then eternity. eternity. You say, what's that? That's a new beginning right there. Things are going to change in eternity. It's going to be a good time. So eight's going to be the number of new beginnings. I like number nine. Nine will be the number of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. I've seen where some people call nine the number of judgment, but I don't agree with that. I think it's fruitfulness. There's nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It doesn't even call them fruits. It says nine fruit, singular. There's nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. In Genesis chapter number 9, Noah is told to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Nine's fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Guess what? Abraham was 99 when he bore fruit. When Isaac was conceived. He's 100 when he was born. That's soothing. You know, I could... It really is. Sir? Doctor calling you? <laughs> um... I don't, you don't ever see me get on to anybody for that because it could be mine very next. So no problem here. <laughs> a woman carries a baby for how long on normal? Nine months. And she has a child. That's all right. She produces fruit. And how much are you supposed to give to God monetarily? 10%. That leaves you nine. Leaves you nine. You know you can be more fruitful with nine than you can be with ten. You believe that? I do. I believe you can be more fruitful if you give God a tenth and keep nine for yourself than keep all ten for yourself. I really do. I've seen it work. I've seen God do it. All right. So nine will be the number of fruitfulness. Now ten's a good one. Ten's pretty, pretty straight, pretty easy to get in the Bible. Ten... Um, some say it's the number of worldly completion. Others have it as the number of divine perfection. But they're neither one right. Ten's going to be the number of Gentiles. For the Gentiles. That's probably all of us in here right now. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. <laughs> it's that simple. And so here we are. God puts us all in one basket. Noah is the tenth from Adam, the Bible says. It tells you that in First Corinthians or First Chronicles, rather, chapter one. And guess what? He's the father of the Gentiles. That's where they come from. Because Noah had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and everybody came from them. Genesis chapter number ten gives the generations of the Gentiles. You find Genesis ten ten. It gives the first Gentile kingdom. It started by a guy named Nimrod. Nimrod was a mighty hunter. Their scripture says. Did you know that people, uh, they say in the works written about Nimrod, they believe he hunted people, hunted men. I don't know if he did or not. But uh, Hislop's two Babylons and things like that, that's the definite work on Nimrod. That's what they say about him. I know one thing, it doesn't seem like he was any good by looking at the Bible about what he's done. But anyway, the Genesis 10.10, 10, you got the first Gentile kingdom. That's with Nimrod. You know where Nimrod went? To Shinar. You, somebody know what the another name for Shinar is? 
Anybody know? Babylon. Anybody know another name for Babylon? Today, the modern term? Iraq. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's where he's at. Well, you know that the Lord wasn't there. <laughs> We've seen that. All right. Um, the last Gentile kingdom is made up of ten Gentile nations, according to Daniel chapter number two. He gives you a great big image, and it has ten toes, and those are ten Gentile nations, according to the Bible. John chapter 10 tells of the sheep of the other fold, Gentiles. In Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost is given unto the Gentiles. A guy named, guy named Cornelius that received the Holy Ghost like the Jews did. In Romans 10, there's a message to the Gentiles. 10 first appears in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 14. Some people have pointed out 5 and 14, if you add all the numbers together, 5 plus 1 plus 4 is 10. So that's getting kind of picky. It is, but it's pretty interesting. The second appearance is in Genesis 16 and verse 3. 1 plus 6 plus 3 is 10. It's pretty neat how this Bible's laid out, though. It's pretty interesting. And the thing is, you got to remember, man didn't write this. This is what these people want to say all the time on the news and different things. They'll say, well, man wrote the Bible. Man couldn't have possibly written a Bible because man couldn't tell what this book here says. I've read what man wrote, and it's nothing like what this book says. This book is the monarch of the books. It's the best there's ever been. It's the only book that God ever wrote. And there's never been proven an error in your Bible, no matter what they say. All right? Let's go to number 11. Number 11 is one of those that's not real easy, but uh, it appears that 11 stands for disaster or judgment. It's not good. 11 is not good. Because in Genesis chapter number 11, you read about Nimrod's city. You know what the name it was? It was called Babel. That was the name of the city. Short, so you get Babylon from that. And it's also called Shinar there. And you know what happened there? They built a tower at Babel. And they tried to build that tower at Babel high enough where they could reach God. And the Bible says that the Lord looked down and saw that tower. And he said, let us go down, talking to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Let us go down and see this for ourselves. They tried to build a tower to God, and he had to come down just to be able to see it good. See, you can't reach God, no matter how high you get. Those astronauts, when they first went in orbit in 1959, the Russian astronaut, he said, we see no sign of God up here. Of course not. You wasn't high enough. You just think because you're orbiting the earth you can, there's no, that you're up where God is. Man, God's out of the universe. He's not just above the earth. That's crazy to say something like that. By the way, there's not much sign of him in Russia either. <laughs> All right. But there was a lot of sign of the Lord right there because you could look down and see the earth and that was his handiwork, what God had done. He'd built that thing and made it from nothing. All right, Nimrod, he's a type of the Antichrist in the Bible. He's no good, no good. All right, in Exodus chapter 11, guess what happens? The destroyer comes to kill the firstborn in Egypt. And the Bible uses that terminology, calls him the destroyer. He kills the firstborn in Egypt. You remember about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and if you didn't get the blood on the doorpost and the side post, the lintel and the side post, uh, you was in trouble. He said, but if you got it there, he said, I will pass over you. That's where the word Passover comes from. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you. And so the Passover had to do with that 
lamb that shed its blood. You've got to have the lamb. You've got to have the blood from the lamb. We've got a Passover today, and it's the lamb. His name's Jesus that died for us at Calvary. All right, so we see that 11, 11 stands for disaster or judgment. In Genesis chapter number 7 and verse 11, the flood destroyed the earth. Verse 11 is when it began. Daniel chapter 11, the Antichrist shows up for about half of a chapter. It deals with the Antichrist. That's bad. Guess what happens in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 11. 9 one, one. You better watch out and you say 9-1-1, 9-11. It's a direct reference to the Antichrist there, the son of perdition. When people have a disaster, they have problems, they want to get a hold of Paige, they dial 911. That's how you get a hold of Paige. 911. That'll do it right there. That's for disaster or something bad that happens. On 911, the Twin Towers came down. In Revelation 11, it deals with the destruction of Jerusalem and the reign of the Antichrist. And 11 something. Noah cursed Canaan in Genesis 9. In Genesis 10, verses 15 through 18, it says that Canaan had 11 sons. His descendants got cursed because of him, because of his daddy. In Jeremiah 52 and verse 1, it said that Zedekiah reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he was a wicked king. In verse 5, Jerusalem was besieged by the king of Babylon until the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, and then he was captured and taken to Babylon, and judgment was placed on him. We find in 2 Samuel 11, the story of David sinning with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 11. So 11, 11 is no good, no good. Disaster of judgment. All right, 12, here's a good one. Number 12. 12 stands for Israel, or the Jew, which takes up a whole lot of your Bible, because the majority of your Bible is about Israel. Two-thirds of it's about Israel. All the Old Testament's about Israel. Do you know who Israel is? That's God's chosen people. That's what the Bible says. We ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we ought to pray for Israel. You say, what does it mean when you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem? It means you're praying for the Lord to come back. That's what it means because he's the only one that can bring peace. The Bible tells us to pray for it. All right. In Genesis chapter 12, Abram's called out to make a great nation. God said, I'm going to make you a great nation, out of you a great nation. Genesis chapter 12, and that nation was Israel. In Exodus chapter 12, the nation of Israel began as a nation. Exodus chapter 12. They have 12 tribes. There were 12 stones in the breastplate of the high priest, and each of those stones represented the 12 tribes. Inside the tabernacle, there were 12 cakes of showbread. They had 12 spies to go spy out the land. There were 12 Jewish apostles. Jesus was 12 years old when he went into the Jewish temple. The 12, there's 12 uh, tribes of Israel. And there's, uh, let's see, there's 12 saved nations in eternity. According to the 12 tribes of Israel. You read that in Deuteronomy 32. And they're going to go in and out of the 12 gates of New Jerusalem that have on them written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. New Jerusalem has 12 foundations with the names of the 12 Jewish apostles. You find in Revelation chapter number 12, there's a woman and she represents 
Israel. And she has a crown with 12 stars, which represent the 12 tribes. Israel was reestablished after um, 19, let's see, uh, 706 to 608 B.C. when they went out. They were reestablished in 1948 A.D. So what's good about that? 48 is 12 times 4. 12 times 4. 12 is easily the number for Israel, for the Jew. Now let's move to 13. Just move through some of these. 13. 13 not a good number. I'll ask them that sometimes on a test at GBI. Is 13 a good number or a bad number? A lot of times they'll put, they don't pay attention. They'll put, that's a lucky number, good number. No, it's a bad number. 13 is the number of rebellion in the Bible. Rebellion. Go to Genesis 14. I'll show you the first mention of it. Genesis 14. Of course, in Genesis 13, you got Abraham's, or Abram's separation from Lot. Lot goes against Abraham. That's a rebellion. But notice in Genesis 14, the first time the word's mentioned in the Bible. Genesis 14, 4. 14, 4. Twelve years they served Ketelomer. And in the 13th year, they what? Rebelled. You say, why? Because that's what 13 stands for. 13 is the number for rebellion. Did you know there's 13 letters in the name Judas Iscariot? Judas is mentioned in John chapter 13 and verse 13. And there just happens to be 13 words in that verse and 39 letters. 39 letters is 13 times 3. The word dragon, that's not good in the Bible. That's what the devil's called sometimes. It occurs 13 times in the book of Revelation. Nimrod, who was, I told you, is no good. He was a type of the Antichrist against God. He's the 13th from Adam. Rebellion is what came from Nimrod. The curse of the law is found in Galatians 3 and verse 13. It's a curse for any man to hang on a tree. And it's also the law is a curse. There are 13 bells in the scripture. B-A-A-L-S. That's false gods. Little G gods. Different kinds of them. You'll read about bells but they'll have different names with them many times. 13 of them. The king of Assyria, he's a type of the Antichrist. He's mentioned 13 times. 13 times. How about the letters, the numbers 666? So what about them? Did you know they're mentioned first in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13? The second time, they're only mentioned three times, is in Ezra chapter 2 and verse 13. And then the last time is in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 18. That's with, about the Antichrist. 666. 18 is 6 plus 6 plus 6. 
Did you know the first mention of sinners, the word in, is connected to sodomites in the Bible? And it's found in Genesis 13, 13. Look at that, you probably opened to it. Genesis 13, 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Tells you what that means. Today, that's where they get that terminology from that place, the men of that place. That's where it comes from. It's bad. Um, 13's been bad. How about this? Friday the 13th, good or bad? Most people think that's bad. File 13, what's that? Trash can. It's bad, no good. You get rid of bad stuff, except you want to discard in that. All right, you get on an elevator and you want to push the 13th floor. Is it there? No, it's not there. Why? Somebody didn't want it there. Go to a big tall building and look. It'll go from 12 to 14. 13 is no good. My dad and I worked for him for years. We had filing, a filing system, and we'd have jobs. Let's say it was 1995 and 01 of 95, 02. It might be, we may do 100. Who knows how many? I don't know. When he got to 12, it went straight to 14. He would, <laughs> he would not have a 13 because he knew about this Bible number stuff. You say, well, 13 always bad. You know, it's not always bad. Jerry Arnold, when he lived here, he lived at 1313 Magnolia Lane. So that just proves my point. It is bad most of the time. <laughs> Sister Allison, bless her heart, was cursed by living with him. We'd give him a hard time over that. <laughs> but 13, yeah, 13 is usually bad. Uh, the fear, there's a fear of the number 13. Uh, I don't know how you say it, trisodikia, trisodikia, I can't say it right probably. It's the phobia of the word 13, or the number 13. It was coined in 1911. That's been going back a while where people were afraid of that, that number. I never have locked it. All right, number 18. So what about 14? I have no idea. I don't know about 15, 16, or 17. I've read different stuff about some of them, but... There's not enough backing on them. If I don't have enough backing on them, I just don't mess with them. How about this? 18, the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Well, he's talked about in Genesis 13, 18. It just talked about that. And it tells of the Antichrist, and it tells his number is 6 plus 6 plus 6, or 666, and 18 6 plus 6 plus 6. There are 18 types of the Antichrist in the Scripture. I'm not going to give you all those, but there's 18 types of them. I've got them all listed. 18 types of the Antichrist. 18 appears to be the Antichrist. Then we'll go on up to number 40. So we're making some big jumps here. 40 is pretty well agreed upon. 40 is the number of probation or testing. Probation or testing in the Bible. Quite a bit on 40. In Genesis 7 and verse 4, the flood came down for 40 days and 40 nights. God put the earth on notice. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights as a testing there before he could go before the Lord. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. They were on probation for not taking the land of Canaan like they were supposed to. 
Elijah fasted 40 days and 40 nights in 1 Kings 19. The spies spied out the land for 40 days. And of course, that's why the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years as a year for each day that they was over there. Goliath defied Israel for 40 days. Goliath is a good type of the devil. One against God and his people. Nineveh was given 40 days to repent. There's just some testing or probation. Saul reigned for 40 years. David reigned 40 years. Solomon reigned 40 years. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights in preparation to be tested by the devil. The punishment by scourging was 40 stripes. That's in Deuteronomy. And guess what? They say life begins at 40. That's the true test (laughs) when it gets started. Just starting out. It's after 40 that you can wake up, kids, and raise up to get out of bed and hurt yourself so badly you got to go to the doctor that day, get out of bed. After 40, and it gets worse, doesn't it, Brother Terry? 50 is worse than 40, and 60 is worse than 50, and 70, and 80, and 90, and nobody in here can tell us about 100 but Sister Graham. She's the only one that knows. <laughs> She's done passing that. So that's right. It doesn't get any easier. It gets harder. All right. Um, there's all kinds of other numbers, and they've got meanings, but some are clear and some aren't as clear as those listed above that I just talked about. And... 30 is a good number. I don't know what it means, but some people think it's redemption or something to do with Christ. Because Christ entered the ministry. His his earthly uh, public ministry started at about 30, the Bible says. There's another guy that started the same time. He was about 30. His name was Joseph, who's a type of Christ. And his ministry started at about 30, the scripture says. Judas sold the Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. So some people say that 30 stands for silver, or redemption, rather. Redemption. Joseph was a type of Christ, got that one, 30. So he became the savior of the world. Who knows? That might be right, might not. Some think that 50 is the number of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit came down on Pentecost, and Pentecost means 50. Pent pent means 50. It's 50 days after the Lord died after the Passover there, 50. Who knows? There's another number that's prominent in the Bible. We see some, 144. There's 144,000 Jews saved during the tribulation period. Might be connected with Israel somehow. 144 is 12 times 12, and 12 has to do with Israel. So that makes sense. There's another number in the scripture, 153. In John chapter 21 and verse 11, and they catch 153 fish. Some people have said that that represents there were 153 languages in the world at the time. I don't think they have any idea how many there was at the time. But anyway, who knows? Who knows about that? So so you just can't, some of this you can't get right. Now here's a number, 1,000. 1,000 divides the ages in the Bible. And there'll be a 1,000-year reign of Christ before eternity, millennium. The word 1,000 is mentioned six times in Revelation chapter 20, and all of them have to do with the reign of Christ reigning in the millennial kingdom. Six times 
in Revelation 20. I wrote this down too just today, just thinking about this this afternoon. And I thought about 70. And 70 could be, I've never mentioned this one before, possibly could stand for a generation or a length of life on earth. Because in Psalm 90 and verse 10, it says the days of our years are three score years and ten. That's 70. That's the average lifespan, so to speak. And I mean, give or take, that's where it is, 70. And so maybe that has something to do with that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a generation, too. You often wonder, too, because the Lord talked about once the people that see a certain thing with, to do with Israel, them becoming a nation again, that um, fig tree over there, and gets talking about that, it says this generation will not pass before all these things happen. And we've just seen the 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation again. And it just so happens it's the 70th anniversary. The president moved the embassy back over there. Boy, that made some people mad. I say good job on that one. That's what, I mean, that's, I'm not in politics. That's Bible is what that is. I mean, we're for Israel. Care who's, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, makes me no difference. I'm for Israel because God's for them. And we better stand for them. And traditionally, our country's always stood with them. It didn't matter, Democrat, Republican, made no difference. Till the last few years, they've always stood with Israel. And so that's one thing I think God's blessed our nation over, is standing with Israel. And we've done that. But anyway, Israel, 70 years, so who knows, something may happen. He's talked about things happening in the end times and talked about these um, earthquakes and, man, you got volcanoes erupting everywhere. It's, it's wild right now. He can come back any time. And then 80, I wrote down 80. And I wondered, maybe that means strength, because in Psalms 90, verse 10, it goes on to say, after the three score and ten, it says, and if by reason of strength, they be four score years, that's 80. And did you know Moses was 80 when he began his ministry? He wasn't strong enough before he was 80. But at 80, God used him to go over there to the Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. At 80. So I don't know. Just some guesses, but beats me. So, <laughs> all right, We're, I'm done. That's easy enough. <laughs>